Hello everyone, and thank you for joining this webinar on the Great Resignation, or is it the Great Life Reevaluation? Before we start, I want to let you know that this session is being recorded so that it can be shared with those who were not able to join us today. 293 people have signed up for this webinar, and some asked if they could listen to it after the fact. So we're making that possible by recording this session. By way of introduction, my name is Mel Cross and I'm an ANZ Regional Executive of Business Bank Victoria. So today's webinar is an example of ANZ's commitment to help build communities where individuals thrive and business owners learn how to start, run and grow their companies. Since ANZ has worked with thousands of companies, we understand that companies differ in many ways. For example, by industry, age, stage of growth, number of employees, and local or regional or national or even global orientation. But successful growth-oriented business owners and CEOs and managing directors have got several things in common. They have a passion and a drive to succeed. They are focused on their customers' needs and wants, and they understand what their customers value. They don't sweep problems under the carpet, but they face them squarely and they develop solutions as quickly as possible. They have the mental tenacity to push through hard times and turn challenges into opportunities to learn and grow. And they understand how to lead and manage their people. Our guests today are two business owners who are customers of ANZ. And last year, they went through the ANZ Business Growth Program that Dr. Jenna Matthews designed and directs. So let me introduce Dr. Jenna Matthews, who will facilitate the discussion with these two CEOs. Dr. Jenna is an international expert on entrepreneurial leadership and business growth, a professor and the founding director of the Australian Centre for Business Growth at the University of South Australia Business. She studied at the University of London, did graduate work at Yale University and has a doctorate from Harvard University. She holds the ANZ-funded Chair in Business Growth at the University of South Australia Business and directs the ANZ Business Growth Programme. During her career, Jana has worked, uh, sorry, founded several companies of her own and has worked with hundreds of CEOs and leadership teams all over the world, including Australia. She's been global thought leader for SAP, was on the founding team of the Kauffman Foundation's Centre for Entrepreneurial Leadership and was named one of 18 women business gurus in the world. In 2018, she was named one of the leading women in Australia's innovation ecosystem. And that same year, the AFR named her one of the 100 women of influence in Australia. She is a member of the International Women's Forum. And in addition to her day job, she chairs the selection committee for the federal government's $60 million boosting female founders programs for women-owned companies that are ready to scale. Welcome, Jenna. Well, thank you, Matt, Mel. That's just a great introduction and thanks. It's wonderful to be here. Um, a special thanks to ANZ because you supported us from the very beginning. Our mission is to help CEOs and their executive teams learn to grow their companies and because growing companies create jobs and that helps individuals and communities thrive. And that's, of course, what your mission is, and our missions then are totally aligned. By definition, because we recruit only from this group, the companies who come are small and medium companies. That means they are five employees to 199 employees. We work very hard to focus on this group 
this is a small group if there are 2.3 million companies in all of Australia this is only 250,000 that are in that particular employee bracket and we work with them because we believe that that's the leverage point for the economy we think they've already indicated that they want to grow because they're at least five employees and the question is now how do I grow what do I do in what order and how do I put it all together and manage myself through that whole process? So we help them understand what they need to do, when, why, and in what order. You know, people go around and say, oh, we're a nation of small business. Well, surely we don't want to be small. We don't want to have 80% of our companies start up, create jobs, and then go out of business in five years. We don't want medium-sized companies to stay medium-sized, not to grow to large. And if they change, fall back to small. I don't think we want that. We don't want people to stay at $50,000 revenue. And when I saw that something like 93% of the companies in Australia have less than 2 million in revenue, 97% have less than 5 million in revenue. I said, this is very hard to build a company, country's economy on the back of this small number of companies. So we're trying to broaden that base. And two of the CEOs here today, my guests, are two of them that I am so proud to have had them through the program and I'm so proud at what they've learned, what they've taken on board and how they have indeed learned to grow. So Ben Cohen, CEO of Taxibox, storage company in New South Wales, Victoria and Queensland. And Jan Ranakar, CEO of Forager Foods, which is a freeze-dried food manufacturer company in Red Hills, Tasmania. So Ben, please introduce yourself and the taxi box sort of origin story, what you do, where you've been, and what your vision is for where you're going. Thank you, Jenna. Um, so hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Ben Conn. As Jenna mentioned, I'm the founder or co-founder of, of Taxi Box, which is a, a mobile storage company. For those of you in Australia, uh, I'm hoping that you would have seen one on the street or in your driveway or have used us, but overseas, um, I hope we get there eventually. Um, core of our business is effectively a like a traditional storage concept, but we physically deliver the storage unit to the customer's front door, gets left there, they fill them up, lock them, and then we return them back to our um, warehouses around, around the country where we stack them up and store them. We also do a lot of interstate moving services, um, on-site storage um, uh, units for um, the commercial industry, construction industry, and, and, and a lot of innovation in the back of our business um, that really puts us puts us at the forefront of, uh, of the kind of storage industry, I guess, in the innovative space. Um, I guess in terms of the, the growth story, I've been running since 2010, started with myself and Jeremy as a co-founder. We now have um, 70 um, full-time team members um, across Victoria, New South Wales, Queensland, and nine facilities, um, close to 10,000 taxi boxes, of which about 9,000 are full. Um, and on a heavy expansion path, driving forward, um, I guess, uh, using innovation, creativity and technology to really um, continue to build our business. That's us. I think I saw over 300,000 deliveries. That's a lot of people we, moving boxes in and out, huh? Yeah, I think we did that. We did, we did sort of the 10-year um, the anniversary for us. We said, how many deliveries have we done? And we, I think it came to 350,000 deliveries in the 10 years. And I was really, really excited because I thought if you were to stack the taxi boxes top on back on back, can we reach the moon? Uh, and how long would it take? 
Um, so 2.4 meters each, and it's looking like we've got to think another thousand years to go. So uh, <laughs> that's how, maybe you should circle the globe. Maybe that's a better measurement. <laughs> correct. I was trying to be ambitious, Jenna. But yes. <laughs> well, I did teach you that. That's right. <laughs> yes. Well yes, done. Exactly. Um, and because this is about the Great Resignation or the Great, you know, life uh, reconsideration of what I want to do with my life, how has just a little snippet of how that's impacted. You lost anybody? Has anybody left? Or have you made the decision to part ways with folks who just aren't the right, the right ones? I mean, we've been on a very heavy growth trajectory. So as a result, we've been really trying to recruit. Um, the good news is that we've primarily been able to maintain our staff or keep our staff. Um, so I think that's been really positive. Um, yeah, we have moved a couple of people on. I'll share that share, share that experience, um, I think, later on. But um, okay. primarily, to be honest, as much as I want to sit here and give you um, war stories, it's been pretty steady, and I'm happy to share those experiences as to why we think it's been pretty steady. Well, exactly, because some people are doing it right, and some people are not having problems with the great resignation. So that's what we want to do. We want to share the secrets of what it is, what is working. Cool, let's go to Tazzy. John, CEO of Forager Foods. Um, among other treats. We had blueberries, I think, yesterday, strawberries. Um, so both of you were in the last cohort of the ANZ Business Growth Program. Um, and thanks to the wave of Omicron, neither of you have actually met each other uh, for the last module, just the first and second modules. But your story is a little bit different um, in terms of your origin and what you do and um, ownership structure and numbers of employees. So and you're on a big ramp as well with a great big grant to expand your manufacturing, right? Yeah, correct. Thank, thanks, Jana, and uh, welcome everyone. Um, yeah, so we, we're in a slightly different scenario to Ben. Um, Forager Foods uh, is based in Tasmania, so we're regional from that perspective already. Um, we manufacture a whole range of fruit, vegetables, meat, dairy, seafood, uh, camping meals, pet food, nutraceuticals, the list goes on. Pretty much if you can eat it, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dry it and we'll find a market for you. But um, we started our business in 2009 and uh, we've been on a growth path ever since. It was a, a relatively slow start till about 2014 and then we ramped things up um, and grew to sort of capacity by about 2019. And we're now going through another growth phase where we're uh, putting in more capability, more capacity. In other words, we've invested in more equipment to grow us into the future. Um, our, our, our business started at Deloraine, which is in central north of Tasmania. It's a small regional town of about 3,000 people. I think the median age is about 49, so it's a, a sort of a, an ageing um, population. The nearest major cities being Devonport and Launceston are about a 45 minute drive away. So, you know, we, we sort of um, have to either draw from the local community or try and attract people from further afield. Uh, we have two other sites now in Tasmania as well. Uh, one is up at Scottsdale, similar scenario to Deloraine. It's, it's about an hour from Launceston in the northeast. Again, another small regional town of about two and a half thousand people and uh, an age, medium age of about 46. Uh, and then our final site, which we're in the 
process are developing at the moment is literally adjacent to the Launceston Airport uh, at Western Junction. So we're 10 minutes from the city of Launceston, and um, it, you know we, we hope that we'll find it's it's much easier to attract staff in this site. Um, you know, for, for for those of you who are interstate or even overseas, you know, having to travel 45 to 60 minutes to get to work is probably not a major issue. Um, in Tasmania, that's considered to be a long journey. Um, so, you know, particularly for staff, they you know they tend to try and find work closer to to home. So that does pose some sort of um, issues around us in in recruitment and and retaining staff. Uh, and then we've got a number of uh, other sort of competing businesses uh, in and around our our area. So. We've got a limited sort of pools of staff to, to draw from, but we also have competition from uh, some other competing businesses that are in similar sort of industries to us. Tasmania as a whole uh, has been really fortunate during the, the, the COVID period in that we haven't suffered the, uh, the terrible lockdowns that you've suffered in Melbourne and Sydney. I think we had a four-week lockdown in April 2020, and really that was... Um, restricted to uh, general movement. Uh, businesses like ours worked right through. We, we haven't, had a, haven't had a break at all. Um, so for the last two years in Tassie, it, it's pretty much been business as usual. There, there's been no wearing of masks up until literally when the borders opened in December. Um, I mean, we've had the usual uh, you know, restrictions around um, spacing and what have you, but we had virtually zero cases over that period. So, so we have been very lucky and, and so COVID hasn't had a direct impact in Tasmania as it has in, in other states. But having said okay. that, Forager, we, we, we have around 35 to 40 staff um, and we're growing. And um, over the last eight months, we've probably seen a turnover around 25% of those staff, which is, which is much higher than we would normally expect. And we've seen that from all areas of our business, from production, maintenance, um, administration, and, and to a lesser degree, but certainly from within the leadership group. Uh, we have recruited for most of those positions and, and it's an ongoing process. We're, we're still recruiting at the moment. Um, and with our new site opening up in middle of this year, you know, we'll, we'll be looking to recruit at least another 20 to 25 staff so in the next you know, six to eight months. So we've got a fairly big job ahead of us. And I guess just to sort of summarise where we're at, um, you know, the great resignation, I guess, has been less part of the COVID impact and um, possibly more to do with the growth trajectory that our business is on. And, um, you know, to that end, you know, frankly, um, I hold Jana responsible because she told us to change the people or change the people. So we've um, well and truly done that. <laughs> well, that's good Good that you're putting that in play. And in fact, this is a, a perfect segue to remind the people who are on the, the uh, webinar that we've actually created a worksheet here for you to work through with us some of the issues that we've been talking about and, you know, little questions for you to identify if these are issues that you're facing and then what's my action plan for addressing this by when and who else needs to be involved. So hopefully that will give you some takeaways and identify who else, because we know you can't do this alone. As these gentlemen have found out when they bring their team, it's 
a much easier thing to do. Okay, so we've designed these webinars as a way to get inside the head of two business owners and to try to see the world through their eyes. Now you got a little snippet of that as they were talking about what's going on and how they've made changes in the company and how it's growing and expanding. Um, but we want to get them also to talk about how they're managing, how they're thinking about this, how they've set themselves up for growth. And when you talk about people leaving or resigning, they've, they've always resigned. We talk about creative destructionism as a way to actually grow the companies because you're, you're bringing in people that you think are right for this stage and then they're not right, they don't wanna stay, they wanna go someplace, they move, their life changes. Um, I wanna change, I want a new challenge, I want a different title, I want more money, I have parents who are sick, I now need to move to them, I'm tired of commuting, I want to tired of living in the city, I want to move to the country, I want to move someplace else, have a health issue, I'm going to retire. I mean, there are lots of reasons always that people have resigned. So John, you talked a little bit about what was going on in terms of your resigning more, that you're identifying the people that you need for growth and the people who aren't either wanting to go on the growth journey or can keep on the growth journey. And you've talked about then what's going on in terms of finding some new people. So Ben, talk a little bit about your folks and you know, has, has this been a way for you or how have you managed your staff and how are you going after the staff you need in order to grow? Yeah. Yeah, so I kind of rack my brain thinking about this because it's it's a good question. And, and I was thinking, I was like, why haven't we experienced as much of a drop um, in our industry? or in our business. Um, and the truth is, I'm not sure whether it's, everyone talks about the great resignation as to whether it's actually a big thing that's taking place. I don't know whether it, whether it physically is taking place or not. I can only share the experience that we have in our business, which is that it hasn't been a, um, a train smash, at least so far, and it might change. But I think for us, really, it's been, um, I think, we obviously put our heads together when everyone's been talking about this um, to understand what we can do better in our business. Without input from us prior to this, um, we've come off the back of two years of pretty heavy growth, um, a, which I think kind of has kept everyone very engaged in the business. Um, there's always been a lot of innovation and risk taking and pushing the boundaries in the business, which I think provides a kind of uh, unique environment for our staff and they feel there's momentum, there's growth, there's actually a story behind what's going on in Taxi Box. I think that that's, that's keeping people together. Um, the, um, the other thing is the brand, I mean the Taxi Box brand, again, and, and, and not that I'm trying to showcase this, but I'm trying to pick my, understand why it is that we've had a, a more stable story. I think that the Taxi Box brand has just been quite clean and it's got Quite a good reputation and, and people want to work in that sort of environment um, and then lastly is just the general culture of the business and i think that um, the culture is just very much the dna of um, the people that we try and bring into the business so we've taken our time to get the right people into the business so those are the foundations that were set prior to covid um, that i think have helped us throughout this period um, that being said there's no doubt that we've had um, some rough patches of things and, and I mean we've got a team of um, 30 to 40 um, drivers warehousing staff and there's no doubt that there's um, material inflation in wages in, in, in that industry um, and um, so we have taken a proactive approach of being on the front foot of actually 
upping salaries proactively before we have to enter the discussion of them saying, hey guys, the market's changed and can you give us X, Y, Z? So I think we've always taken pride in being on the front foot with that and I think that's helped us. Um, we've also provided um, some more intangibles for each of their roles. So it's around this concept of flexibility, whether it's our truck drivers or our office staff. Um, I, like many business owners, prior to this whole, to COVID, I was really uncomfortable with the concept of people working remotely. As it turned out, it happened and it works. Do I think it's effective? I actually don't think it's effective. And I think it's a long-term solution. Um, there's no doubt that we need to have some flexibility in the workplace, but um, this whole working from home the whole time just doesn't work for our, for our culture. However, if I'm being truthful, I've just taken the approach of being very soft with our team and giving them a lot of rope at the moment, particularly whilst the market is so tight, just to ensure that we're not impinging on their, um, on their kind of um, um, freedom. So th there's been flexibility there. There's been additional pay that we've been looking at. Um, and yeah, I think it's probably not, I don't, know if, I don't know if I'm sharing enough here, but it doesn't feel like it's as complex as that. Um, we just haven't had many issues so far. Okay, so let me try to summarize what I've heard. You haven't had as many issues because first of all, you've engaged them in the growth, both of you, in, in the growth plan, if you will, um, shared the vision, and you've actually been able to have the vision. You've grown. John, you've grown, you've gotten a large grant, you're setting up additional facilities. So they're part of something exciting. Secondly, you're both doing something that is in sustainable, certainly sustainable food that we're freeze drying and making available. That's That makes me feel really good. People want to be part of a mission, managing to, to whatever it is I'm doing with my stuff. Sometimes I'm gonna just simply move it, put it in storage, move it around, but it's not throwing it away. So that's also making me feel better as an employee. You're on the front foot in terms of pay. You're surrounding me with people who care about the business. I don't have to do somebody else's job, you know, hit the ball and drag George. Um, so there are a lot of things that you've done. You put responsibility in team members also, build a team and have them be responsible for helping to communicate. So I think you've done a lot of things that as we've been talking to companies and if we've been telling you things to do to make sure that you keep your people in place, um, that's important to do. Have the mission, hire people who share the values, recognize good performance, and I'll talk a little bit more about the whole laundry list of things that you need to do. Now, what's interesting is um, we hear a lot about people who want to change, and we've heard not as much as rolling across Europe and America, but some resignations for a variety of reasons here. And yet every clinic that I've done, every module that we just started, so we've talked with probably 15, 20, 30 people, every single one of them is looking for people. So I'm trying to figure out what's happening. Is that people who have left companies that they don't believe in their mission, they aren't being recognized, they wanna change, and you've got all these companies that are looking for people how come we don't have this giant magnet that's drawing people to the right kind of companies? Are you not explaining to people what it is that you have to offer and why they should come work for you? Or are we just having a bunch of people going through recruiters saying, I can't find the people that I need? And maybe some of the secret sauce is your ability to articulate what you're doing as a company and showcase the people who are working there as people that other people would like to come and work with. 
um, that means you've got to keep the people that you have. And keeping the people that you have is a huge part of growing as well, because if you have a, a churn, a lot of people in the revolving door, then it's very difficult to get the momentum to grow. So developing a succession plan, what is it that you could grow into? And what's the professional development that we need to put in place to get you there? That's one way. Second is a uh, sitting down and recognizing the, the things that they do, acknowledging and, and, and in effect rewarding or at least compensating and rewarding them. Third is identifying roles and responsibilities that you're gonna be needing to add and then talking about these and people can in effect kind of think mentally, I could do that, I could do that. We're growing, there'll be opportunities for me to grow if I stay. And so if you're recruiting new employees or replacement employees, talk a little bit about any of those issues. John, you were very lucky that you happened to be in the program and find someone who was changing jobs who could come into your leadership team. Um, I would say you were lucky, but I'd also say you were spotting. One of the things that you do is to know what you're looking for and then spot people. And then when they're ready or when they give you signals, they might be ready to move, actually go after and recruit them. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Proactively how you've gone off and recruited people or what you look for. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess um, in Tasmania, and I, I talk in the Tasmanian context here that um, we're perhaps a little bit different being such a regional centre. And, and when I talk to other businesses around us, everyone is looking for people. So it, I think all businesses are growing. So it's not necessarily that people are um, resigning. There is just generally a shortage of people full stop. Um, you know, traditionally, we've gone about recruiting through your standard seek or advertising on social media, um, just networking, you know, looking looking around, talking to people. And um, you know, pre-COVID, we would have one or two people a week would drop in and, and just leave a resume in our office um, because they you know, heard that there might be work. Now, if someone brings a resume in, we will interview them on the spot. Like literally we'll do a five minute interview um, because if they're even half what we need, chances are we'll give them a job. Um, you know, because we, we're just you know desperately looking for staff to fill positions, and that makes it really hard to go out and really target specific staff. You know, with with you know the the, the morals or or to meet your um, your vision and, and goals. So it, it's something that we're putting a lot of work into, and I think as you said, going forward, we'll be a lot more targeted. We'll be um, literally going out and, and headhunting. Um, and, and we have done that recently. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, in a couple of positions now, uh, because not only are you getting the sort of person you want, but the risk in getting the wrong person is you can spend three months training them, uh, putting a lot of time and effort in and a lot of cost. And then they walk out the door and you're back to square one. And um, you know that that cost is is quite significant. So yeah, yeah, that can be 130 to 150 percent of the salary of the time, as you say, downtime, finding a new person, bringing them in, bringing them up to speed. So there is a premium on spending time and getting to know the right person. Hopefully, you just don't take anybody that walks in that happens to be warm, John. I will be disappointed to hear that. 
But for sure, we say change the people or change the people. So you can also, for some people, they've never worked in a great place, they don't know, and they come into your place and they go, oh, this is wonderful, okay. And you begin to shape them into the kinds of employees that you want. It's also part of what leadership is about. Because nobody goes out and finds the perfect person. And, and interestingly, when you talk about change the people, we've found that most of our staff that weren't, you know, sitting in the, the segment of the chart that we wanted them, literally self-sacrificed. I mean, they, they recognised that they didn't want to come on the journey or they didn't have the, um, the drive or for whatever reason, and um, most of them actually stepped out of their own volition. So it's, that's the best of all when they recognize that it's not a good fit. Um, so Ben, let, share with us your story in terms of what you've done in terms of trying to keep the right people and where you've gone off and recruited additional ones. I think the key thing was really the previous point of, of being on the front foot with things and the brand and the culture and all that. But the recruitment's been tricky. That's been particularly hard actually for us. Um, and uh, you know, we used to put out a, a job for a truck drive and you'd get, you know, 100 applications or 50 applications prior to COVID. You, now you do that, you get 15, um, 20. And I heard a story of someone who works at TAFE. They put out four ads for four roles and they got one application for all four. I just couldn't believe it. So there's definitely a change in the market from that side of things. Um, there's no real magic bullet there, I think. If I'm being truthful, um, we probably have um, compromised on the quality of new candidates joining our team purely because we've been in a position where we've really had to get people in the door, otherwise we would have been letting our customers down. And that is causing issues because um, we're rushing through training and so the quality of service is dropping down and, and there is an issue there, but it's just because we've been left with the option of either not bringing people on board, letting more customers down or bringing people on board that may not be 100% right, yet and filling the job so as much as i'm painting a rosy picture of where things are at there's been a lot of challenges for us on that front um, and we bring in people on board through a combination of in-house um, recruiters it's never really worked with recruiters previously but we've had some good success in particularly in our leadership team we've brought on board a general manager recently and he's um, working out really well um, and yeah, I mean, then, then there's, there is definitely pain inflation. I mean, there's no doubt. Um, it feels like salaries are up by, call it, five to twenty percent at least in our industry, and it's just about um, acknowledging that and you got to pay for the right people. Um, but it's a painful period. The re recruiting has certainly been harder for us than the challenge of keeping people. So one of the other things that you mentioned, and I think John, in a, you know, it's certainly inherently inherent in what you said was that you not only are having difficulty in finding the people that you need, but you need to be hiring ahead of the growth curve. So you're, you need to be putting in people in order to be able to grow. And so when I talk about spotting, I'm very serious about looking as you're talking to people. Sometimes it could be a teller. Sometimes it could be a great um, a waitress. Sometimes it could just be someone who's doing some other job and and you notice they have the right attitude, the right values, or they're just somebody who's a learner. You can just tell and you say, right, here's my business card. On the back of it is a number. Call this number, we'll give you an expedited interview. We think you're the kind of person that we would like to have work in our company. 
So you can be proactive in this whole recruiting as well, looking in yeah. places that you expected. I tried okay, to tell, so I, I tried as a local barista, he was not interested, Jenna. Anyway. <laughs> oh, too bad. You could have had two two shots of yes, lead employee, yes. but also a barista maker, right? Yes. Okay, so you both sort of mentioned culture and how important that is once we get in. And a tricky part about culture is that different people, sometimes of different you know, older or younger employees. They actually are looking for different things in a company. Now, some people are looking more for stability and a job and knowing exactly what to do. Other people are looking for somebody who's on the front foot in terms of uh, worried about the climate and going to give me opportunities to grow and promote me quickly and give me lots more money. And so the you know the difference between the baby boomers and millennials versus the Gen X, Y, and Z is kind of interesting when you. Pay, peel away the onion and, and, and to cut to the chase. Um, ben, do you have primarily younger employees working in your, because of the lifting and moving boxes and so forth? Is that something that would actually draw younger or more, more hip or you or whatever? Do you think there's a, a explanation about why your folks are needing and wanting what they are asking for in order to stay? So can you ask the last question again, Jenna? Do, do I think that what's on? What's the profile of the employees in your company? What's the average age? Yeah, the, the head office, which would be circa 25, 30 people, would be ranging from 21 to 40. So it's kind of a younger demographic um, there. But the driver side of things and warehousing side would be in a circle 40 to 50 as the, the general age bracket and certainly wanting different things, absolutely. Um, so, and was your question then, you know, how do we, what what do we provide, what is the culture we provide for them, is that what you're saying? And how do we the manage is, those two different dynamics? Right, if they need and want different things from you as a manager or for the company, just putting yeah. in a, a change in the uh, compensation system or, yeah. you know, just having uh, donuts with Ben on a Tuesday morning is not going to meet the needs of everybody in order for them to feel good. So how as the leader, are you recognizing those differentiated sets of needs of your employees? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Now, I think that the culture of the business um, transcends age. And so whilst, yes, younger people want different things to older people, it's fairly topical how you handle those differences. And what I mean by that is, you know, the younger guys in the office might want you know, fun barbecue and donuts on Friday, and the and the and the older demographics are not interested in that. But that that's easy to deal with. I think it's really the kind of values in the business that are the foundation of what attracts people to us and keeps keeps people in the business. And for us, um, I think probably the primary word I'd use in terms of the culture is a sense of authenticity. As to there's a real policy of we call it the, the core values, open taxi box, no no bullshit, so open TV, no BS, and that's really the, the core tenement of sort of people that work in taxi box, and that transcends age, so we expect that from everyone. Um, and then there's the, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I'm struggling with the differentiation between the age categories. It's really um, taking risks in the business to provide an exciting, um, exciting growth platform for people but then in turn having a very stable, well-run business, which gives people that sense of stability, consistency, job predictability. 
um, where I, I guess younger people are less, um, you know, less motivated by that, but the older demographic is. And so by Taxi Box being a sustainable, uh, sustainably run business and, and run well, I think that provides them with that level of security. So don't know if that answers the question. Sure. Yep. I've got some things to add, but I want to hear from John first before I go into my kind of juxtaposition. Um, yeah, so our business, um, we, we have staff from 18 to 65, um, so we've got a broad range in age group. We're in, we've got about a 60, 40 uh, female to male um, employment ratio, so we, we're definitely dominated by females. Uh, we have staff from overseas, um, local, so we, you know, we have a um, different ethnic backgrounds um, and in, in general that the diversity works really well in our business. Um, we have people that work for us for different reasons. So you know, some of the uh, older ladies come to us and work, for them it's a social outing, it's um, the ability to get away from home, it's um, you know that they enjoy the social interaction side of it. Um, generally for the younger ones, I mean they're there just to earn money. Um, and it's harder to probably engage them in the culture that we're trying to promote, um, we, we find. Um, and I guess on the, on the management side of it, we're also um, quite heavily weighted towards um, the females um, in, in our management team, which I think is uh, a good thing. Um, so it brings sort of, I think we've got a really good mix and um, and certainly one of the things that we're really working on at the moment is to really engage with our staff and try and start promoting our values and, and our missions and what have you because it's probably something we haven't done well enough in the past. Right, those are the overarching things that pull everybody together. So yeah. um, I think that people have always looked for this, but there is a difference in age groups, leaders that are open and transparent. There, there is a set of leadership, especially in the command and control, which maybe tend to be large companies, the management and the, and the board, who think you keep bad news to yourself and you share information as needed. And we've seen that in some of the clinics and some of the people that I've talked with. Or leaders that show that they really care for people as individuals, not just as employees. And so they they come in and say, how's your weekend? I mean, all uh, lots of people because social media, everything is open and entirely open. But I can remember an older manager saying, well, well your weekend is my weekend's my business. I don't need to tell everybody how my weekend was. That's surely that's not what it what's involved in ha having to come to work here. Or engaging people in planning and decision making, believing, you know, that uh, better decisions are made with diversity, as you and I believe as opposed to, no, my job as leader is to decide where to go and then tell people where we're going. They look to me as leader to do that. They look to me to tell them instead of, you know, figuring this out together. So there are different perspectives on what leadership should be. Um, celebrating success as a whole, making teachable moments, or I'm a leader, I can't be seen to make mistakes. People expect me to be perfect. I've got to sort of hide the mistakes, not tell people, or maybe I blame somebody else for them. Um, people who, leaders who make the company available and equal, don't have politics. We're not you know, trying to 
to get sway or get more money or get more power. You, know, you really don't have the, the uh, post holes, the silos working. You really have people working together here. Um, and they create organizations where people encourage each other to succeed. They make each other better as opposed to units which are trying to be get the win the prize for the best in the organization. So there's a different kind of leadership and a different kind of organization that people are in. And I think it's useful when you're recruiting people, even when you're putting yourself out there as the magnet to describe the kind of organization you are and, and get people to come to you who want that kind of organization as opposed to the more of the command and control where the leader's in charge and you're just basically coming in and doing your job and going home. Cool, okay. So I'm looking at the time and I'm realizing maybe we need to shift to kind of words of wisdom that we would share with our folks on the call today. Um, seems impossible, it can go so quickly, but it does. Pen, you wanna go first? Uh, Ken, um, so words of wisdom. Uh, I think worse than giving someone advice. Um, in, in my experience, or in my experience, I think authenticity, vulnerability is a very strong pillar of our of who we are, and I think that connects people. Um, I think the flexibility. You know, if if, if you're if people are experiencing um, a wave of resignation. We've been more flexible despite the fact that I don't particularly want that as a longer term thing for our business, but we've had to accept that we need to be different now for the next three to six months or 12 months um, to not get people's noses out of joint. Um, so it's adjusting to the times, long term or temporarily. And then the last thing would be, I think being proactive and being on the front foot and acknowledging that um, the market's changed from a salary perspective and saying, hey, um, we're aware it's changing, so we practically come into you and to everyone we're doing this um, so that people feel that they've been, you know, the, the owners of the business or the directors are thinking about this proactively. Those would be my three points. Yeah. Being authentic and having a great culture is also something that you had mentioned, and I, I think you're right. It's worth its weight in gold. John, how about you? Look, I'd agree with all those things that Ben just said. Um, from my point of view, uh, to add to those, though, um, communication is probably the biggest thing uh, that I've, I would put out there. Um, and it's got to be not just communication for the sake of communication, but it's got to be concise, it's got to be directed, um, and it's got to be not misinterpreted um, because you know, we, we think sometimes that we've communicated, but um, it comes back around and then you realise, no, they, they're just, you know, they, they're not, they didn't get it or they took it the wrong way. So communication, I think, number one for us. Um, following through with promises, you know, um, when we talk to our staff and we say, right, we're going to do this, this and that, uh, ensuring that we actually follow through with it and, and within a timely manner. Um, and that's something that's come up on, on occasion. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier is we, we do exit interviews with all our staff when they leave the business to try and find out why they're leaving, you know, what were the reasons. And um, you know, usually you'll get a whole list of different reasons. You can narrow it down to a couple. 
Um, and one of the reasons you know, that we've had is that, oh, you said you're going to do this and, and it hasn't happened yet. So following through is a big one. And I guess the third one is um, valuing and rewarding your employees. So a little bit what Ben was saying, but even beyond just the remuneration, um, you know, doing it's the little things. Often it's just praise, you know, and, and being engaged with them. Uh, I know my production manager constantly says, look, would you mind just walking through the factory with me? They, they'd love to see you actually come in and, you know, you show that you actually have an interest in what they're doing and you, you spend a couple of minutes just having a quick chat individually or as a group. And, um, you know, that, that, that has a really positive effect on, on what goes on in the factory. And, you know, and it's, it's the little things on the side, you know, doing the odd barbecue or afternoon tea or whatever. Just um, something to show that you really do appreciate hard work because, you know, again, over the last, even though we haven't been directly impacted by COVID, uh, our business has grown because of COVID. And, um, you know, our staff have worked really hard in the last couple of years. Um, so it, it's, um, you know, it, it does pay to, to give them some, some other rewards. As I think when I wrote an article about this, and I said COVID pulled the handbrake on life. You really made a stop and think, what am I doing? And do I love what I'm doing? And do I, am I doing what I love? So people are making choices. And uh, given the environment that we're in, um, I'm hoping that the webinar has really helped you understand some of the things that these CEOs are doing to attract people to them. And once they have them to retain them. Um, and and in effect, companies that are a great match with your values and your culture and your mission, and that will enable you to then grow. So thank you. And I'm going to hand back to ANZ now, Trevor. Thank you, Dr. Jana. Thank you, Ben. And thank you, John. I think we'll all agree a really interesting discussion with some really interesting takeaways. I'll try and summarize and you can tell me how I went afterwards, Dr. Jana, in not all industries, competitive environments and geographies are built equal when it comes to attracting and retaining talent. I think the differing experiences of both Ben and John are a good example of that. So when we're building our people strategy, we need to be able to customise this to the unique challenges and opportunities that these characteristics bring. To be able to build the strategy, we have to be able to put ourselves in the minds of our staff and understand the world from their perspective build a solid succession plan for every role and have an understood and easily communicated employee value proposition or brand as Ben mentioned. You know, and hopefully the workshops that have been provided by Dr. Jana and some of John and Ben's anecdotes have helped flesh these concepts out a little bit more. And finally, and part of that proposition, you'll build a, an idea that people will be excited by and provide your staff with a purpose. Stay on the front foot for pay and build in those intangibles like flexible working and team culture that'll make your business a place where people not only want to work, but grow. So once again, Dr. Jana, John and Ben, I'd like to thank you for your time, insights and for sharing your thinking on this really important topic on behalf of ANZ. You know, likely very topical for many of our attendees and audience today during a time when a lot of their staff will be reconsidering their life assessments, their work-life balance and potentially leaving their current roles and looking for new opportunities. Um, thank you to all of you who've come to attend today uh, and come to the webinar. For more information about how to manage your business growth, you can visit our website, www.anz.com.au business. 
where you'll find a lot of tools and resources available, which ANZ has kindly licensed from the Australian Centre for Business Growth, and some interviews with other company owners who've been through the program. And of course, you can also visit the Centre's website to learn more about its program at www.centreforbusinessgrowth.com. Finally, our next webinar will be on Thursday, the 7th of April, which is going to tackle the topic of what does a CEO actually do? Dr. Jana will be interviewing two different CEOs who've been through the business growth program and talking with them about their own understanding of the role and how that's changed over time, what they do, the when, the why, the how, and in what order. So finally, in closing, thank you all for your attendance to our presenters, and we look forward to seeing you at our next webinar on Thursday, the 7th of April. Thanks.